Montana Sportsbook. Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. I'm your host, Zach Wheel, accompanied by uh, Dennis. Um, the Zoom window just got all messed up. Or the OBS broadcast. Uh, we can't see Dennis right now. That is real weird. Um, here, just give us one second here. We're having some technical difficulties. Is that is that a milestone? Is that our first technical difficulty? Yeah, it's looking like it's looking like we're having some technical difficulties. I am not sure what the issue is here. So here, we're just gonna go back into the pre-stream for two seconds. I'm gonna fix this and we're gonna come right back. Hey, no worries, man. <laughs> no, you can I think I think you might just have to do it live. <laughs> Just do it on screen, man. It's all good. We we knew we would hit it. But hey, did you get the over on uh, on Game Over Edmonton having their first technical glitch? Well, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's on there, but uh, if you do want to bet, you can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book. Football continues. The World Series is around the corner, and they have dropped the puck on hockey season. Bet pregame, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Ontario only, 19 plus, please play responsibly. There we go. Oh my god, I was <laughs> muted. I was making such funny jokes, and I'm completely Zach muted. had a great point about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Not Zach had a great anymore about how well the Oilers were playing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversely, how poorly we started this stream. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought the Oilers would come out better than we did on our stream? First technical difficulties on Game Over Edmonton. Hopefully, it's the first and last. But you know what? The Oilers came out hard. They came out way better than you thought, and this is why I was so hard on them the last three three games. People were saying things like, oh, you're not a fan, blah, 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 this, that, why why don't you like them, why are you 
you're not cheering for the team. No, I'm cheering for the team. I just know how good they can be. So it's so frustrating when you see them come out and play like absolute dog water against, you know, teams like Vancouver and Calgary, who, you know, Calgary, whatever. It could be good, could be bad. Who knows? Let's wait a few more games. And then against Buffalo. Buffalo, again, we gave respect to, but overall, I was quite disappointed in the effort. A lot of people said last game they had a good, strong first period, but I said it was a lot of empty, not empty, you know, empty calories. And if you look at the game today, this is a first period I would take 10 out of 10 times over that Buffalo first period. This is the type of team defense and structure that the Oilers need to play with. They're never going to be a New York Islanders, Barry Trotz team, you know, stopping everything. They're not going to be, they're never going to win games one nothing. But if they play with the structure and the poise like they did tonight, they will win way more than they lose and they will go further in the playoffs. This is the ideal format for how they play. They were hard defensively. They were in lanes. They were hard on the forecheck. It's Carolina, a team that forechecks hard and backchecks hard. You need to go hard. You need to go fast. And that's what the Oilers did. There were a ton of players that stood out. And the players that stood out were the players that should stand out. Obvious and, well, maybe not obvious any other night, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who the Oilers kind of go as he goes. Everyone knows what they're going to get from McDavid and Drysaddle day in and day out. When Nugent Hopkins comes out and gets a four-point game, we... The Oilers are definitely going to win. He is the he is one of the straws that stirs the drink. Him and Hyman. Hyman was might have been the most underrated Oiler in this game. If you saw him the in the third period when they came in, um, Hyman had a shift where he went down. He's hemming the puck in. It's Carolina's defense completely on him, uh, and Hyman just can hold the puck. It could be three people on him, and you're never getting the puck off Zach Hyman. He's an absolute beast on the boards, and he is one of the main reasons why the Oilers were able to lock it down. Carolina got a lot of goals that were on the power play, a lot of, a couple odd man rushes on a few breakdowns, but for the most part, when the Oilers need to stand strong, they did, and they, you know, they benefited from that. They, they won the game. It was phenomenal, top to bottom. I really don't have, I don't have anything bad to say that's beyond like nitpicky stuff. What do you have to say about the game overall tonight, Dennis? I think you're absolutely right. And I just wanted to quickly touch on chat. Stone one is absolutely right. We are extremely excited to be able to analyze a win beyond our first broadcast. And I think you can tell from, uh, from Zach's impassioned speech that, yeah, this was one of the best games that the Oilers have played in a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's against a really good team in the Carolina hurricanes. Uh, Not only was there, you know, uh, this fantastic back and forth game through all three periods, I think this really showcased the importance of starting strong. Uh, It was a very even second period, third period. But when you start strong and don't start from behind on the first period, you can play that sort of game. In the end, I mean, Carolina had more shots on goal than Edmonton. This was a 73 shot on goal game. But it's all about burying your chances. And while the others had those chances late in the Buffalo game, they just could not finish. In this game, however, from the beginning, you immediately saw just some fantastic jump from every player on the ice. Uh, Everyone was incredibly speedy. I thought Bouchard played amazing, even though, you know, he got a first look on uh, PP1 today. Yeah, towards the end of the game. Third power play of the game. Towards the end of the game. Uh 
And he he got the chance. He, it didn't, unfortunately, capitalize. But at the same time, I, I think, uh, you know, Bouchard looks pretty confident out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was... Well, here, I just let me jump play. in on Bouchard real quick. Because mm-hmm. I, wrote, I wrote down at the beginning of the game, this is by far his best game of the season. And honestly, might even be one of his best games as a pro. He had one breakdown where he had a, he had a backhander pass that went up the middle of the ice. Carolina came down. They had three chances. And that's when Jack Campbell stood strong. Jack Campbell made every save that he needed to 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 make tonight we'll, we'll talk about jack campbell a little later i'm just going to focus on bouchard for now bouchard had tremendous poise up and down the ice he was passing the puck like we all know he's capable of he was playing with more confidence more force he was pushing the play himself he wasn't letting people bring the game to him and that's when bouchard is strong we all know what again we all know what he's capable of and to watch him on that on the penalty kill beat three canes make it like a 90 foot pass up the ice to uh ryan mcleod passes it to Nugent Hopkins, back to mcleod for the short and a goal but every player played to their full potential and that's like and this is the Oilers team we should expect day in and day out and I think this is a team that we're going to get going forward here so it's really it's really nice to see yeah Bouchard had really early in the game had a great shift where he denied two scoring attempts by the Carolina Hurricanes and then on the very next shift had this little like prolonged dangle in the corner where he was just stringing someone along making a fantastic possession play and you can't talk about puck possession without talking about the absolute masterclass that is Zach Hyman holy moly Zach Hyman in that second and third period had such high possession numbers and it it was like against three or four guys going in when he was already exhausted from the previous bit of the shift mm-hmm. uh you touched upon campbell i think that's something that we definitely need to talk about later and uh, in fact black masakiri has already mentioned in the chat uh, campbell's uh, a little bit interesting and we do need to to comment on the fact that you know this was a 6-4 game um it's in the end a one goal game of course hurricanes are a very good team and we expect them to play well uh i just hope that you know what in the next couple of games the oilers continue to be up against some really top tier teams and i hope that they continue this effort through the next two games yeah when you look back even at the first period there was something again on the last three broadcasts a point that i made is tyson berry was horrible when it came to keeping the puck in at the blue line and if you look at what happens the very first power play of the game carolina looks like they're going to get a clear and tyson berry makes a play that every defenseman on pp1 should make he knocks the puck out of the air makes an excellent keep and credit where credit's due tyson berry gets the puck on net hyman tips it in and that's the first goal of the game and so hyman obviously had a point he had his hand he was on the score sheet but he did so much more than that like you said when it when the oilers need to shut it down when they need to just get possession in the opposite zone he hyman is on the ice hyman's making plays it doesn't he's one of the few players it doesn't matter if he's on the shore ryan or mcdavid and dry sidle he the puck is going in he's a driver and he can play with everyone hyman is so essential to the team winning and it's nice to see him succeed like that and also get recognized by everyone you know in in the first part of the game i thought everyone had some fantastic jump minus one player actually now that i think about it but it seems like evander kane actually started pumping up and down the ice a lot quicker mm-hmm. in the second and third period. I thought in the first period, he was a little bit slow, yeah. uh, a little bit laborious almost to skating. But I 
I still hold on to this belief that there might be some sort of a flu type sickness that's floating around the locker room. Uh, some, some players maybe have already worked past it. Maybe it's gotten to Kane, but throughout the second and third period, maybe, maybe he took a Benadryl. I don't know, but he looked way better afterwards. Yeah. When you look at it, it's funny. Cause again, I'm going to keep going back to the last game just cause I was so mad on the broadcast and now obviously it's just a complete antithesis of that. So when I, when I, when I go back and look, you, every player just came out. It looked like they were skating in cement. They were, everyone was just a step slower on Buffalo. And when they came out tonight, yeah, Carolina in the first period outshot them 13 to 12. But again, it's a lot of empty calories. The Oilers were always the first one on pucks. High danger scoring chances. The Oilers had six, the Canes had three. And I think, I don't even know if the Canes three were that good. Like the Oilers top to bottom were the better team tonight. They deserve to win. This is a classic Oilers game and I'm very happy they got the victory. I think this is a good stepping stone to build off of going forward. And I think this is something that, that will benefit the team. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, I, Zach. Yep. Before, obviously we have one forward to talk about tonight and that's we'll we'll save that for right after this but i thought i'd like to give a shout out here to uh fogel mcleod and pulley that line played really well even though they only played with the exception of mcleod uh fogel and pulley only played about 10 minutes mm-hmm. standard third line type of minutes i thought they looked amazing they were hard on the puck they were really efficient in the forecheck mm-hmm. and i didn't see that many uh, chances against i think pulley had has a really stable defensive presence even though it doesn't always look like it uh defend uh, the uh the canes just had a really hard time getting into our side of the ice the oilers think about that the oilers lines uh five on five this is the one of the best parts of the game right because the oilers we all know special teams can whoop any team whether they're dead last in the league uh, you know a couple years ago or now they're always going to be great on special teams but to watch lines like Pooley, RV, Fogel, and McLeod consistently hem the Canes in in the offensive zone, cause them com- trouble. Uh, it's great to see. And frankly, that's how you build a winning team. When you have a third line, like on a night where, you know, you're up against one of the best defensive pairings in the league and McDavid and Drasadil might not be able to put up, you know, 1900 points a night and Fogel and, and Pugliarvi and, and McLeod can chip in. That's where winning is built. That's what that will take them further in the playoffs than they've ever gone. And frankly, it, it's fantastic to see tonight. You you saw, I, I think even Nuge, Drasadil, Hyman was a fantastic line. And when you have that split up like double-headed monster down the middle back to back i thought honestly the week for the first two periods and not they weren't bad by any stretch so don't take it that way but the weakest line five on five was probably the yamamoto kane mcdavid line because yamamoto kind of he kind of would go in you get the puck stripped off him he try to make a pass or kane would try and make a pass and it would kind of go to a cane and go out of the zone and um mcdavid obviously he's Connor mcdavid he's never you know He's always going to be good. But to have the two lines below him going and then have that other monster on top, it's going to make life so much easier. And this is when I like to see when Woodcroft doesn't panic. You know, Carolina scores a goal. They tie it, whatever, early on. He doesn't. He didn't go right back to McDry. The first time we saw McDry was in the third period with four minutes left when it was four on four or five minutes left when it was four on four. That is the optimal use of McDry, right? You want to take advantage of those very minute situations. Yeah, exactly in the game that don't pop up that often where you can get the edge to yourself. You don't want to just take all your drivers, put them on one line where you have like Hyman, Drysaddle, uh, McDavid, and then the other lines are just floundering up to drive. And uh, kind of to go back on something that you said a little earlier that I like, 
Julio, I can count. I wrote down so many different forwards that had excellent backtracks on the game defensively. You saw Pugliarvi come down. I think it was Aho down the wing. He completely strips him of the puck while Aho was going to get an odd man rush. McDavid probably had four or five single-handedly broke up uh, odd man Save rushes. Saved a goal that, mm-hmm. that was almost guaranteed. That was, yeah, exactly. I think on the power play, he went back. He saved a goal. In the first minute of the game, he, albeit not a forward, again, to his credit, this game I thought it was one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Evan Bouchard saved a goal. Could have been one nothing games very early down, and it could have been the same story as the first three games, but that's not the case, and we're here talking about a win, so it's fantastic. And then, you know, to kind of get on to Jack Campbell now, because I think that's something that we can't leave unmentioned. Just a just a quick interruption. I just wanted to point out, Lindsay and chat, always a good day when Jesse makes Edmonton media look bad. Dylan, totally Dylan Sparks, much, much love to you guys. Any day where any oiler makes the media look bad is a good day. I, I just want to quickly interject. Are we Edmonton media? Are I, we are we at that status? I saw a comment the other day saying, oh, man, the Edmonton media. I was both so flattered. And so emotional about it because I'm like, am I the media? Am I who people hate now? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see myself as media. I see myself as merely a, some idiot with a commentating on YouTube. But I, I guess, yeah, you can you can take it that way. And hope. Uh, but listen, uh, we, me and you are very different than the old boys club of Edmonton media. We are so pro Jesse Pugliarvi. We are so pro Evan Bouchard. I don't want to see them go anywhere. <laughs> A lot of love in the chat. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Pachan, Black Masakiri. And uh, you know what? End of the day, you know, it, it's hard to have Zach in a bad light. I think uh, Zach always looks good on any day. Me, on the other hand, let's let's leave that issue up to, for debate. Bashan yeah, <laughs> 1266166, I appreciate being in the blogger group. I like all the guys in the <laughs> blogger group. The media group, eh, not so much. But yeah, no. Steve, Steve Manette, great point. The Canes really roll out four lines, and the, they're a very effective four lines. So let's let's talk about the next big topic. Uh, Campbell. Let's talk about Jack Campbell. Oh. <laughs> what a what a performance! Yeah, and I, at first, the first goal that goes in, it, it, it every they touched on this on the broadcast a little bit. Every Svechnikov shot because of his release looks like it's something that Campbell should have. But again, Svechnikov's one of the premier goal scorers in the NHL. I think he had more points than McDavid coming into the game. Like, I'm so tired of everyone saying that Svechnikov is an underrated player. He's not underrated anymore. The, we all know how whole, deadly he the is. The whole broadcast, all we were hearing about how underrated the entire Carolina Hurricanes defenseman group is. They've been together for like seven years. But in Brent Burns was just added. Like they're not underrated. I'm pretty sure Brent Burns got like Norris votes at one point. Like how how are they underrated? Not at all. If, if every person across, if they're they're literally it's out the Alex Barkov of defense. If everyone says they're underrated, they're not underrated, <laughs> and maybe they're not even that good defensively. They're just good at getting away with interference calls. I counted like seventeen interference calls for that defense. Brady Shea alone committed like ten. He only got lucky when Le- when he finally took down Leon from behind. The Oilers finally got a call. That, that the refs on this game were starting to get on my nerves because there were so oh, yeah. many stupid interference calls that should have been called. Like even in the first minute of the game i saw oh man i can't remember who it was on the canes but their stick was jammed so far up it was either connor mcdavid or ryan mcleod they skate so fast and they're so similar i, I can't just even tell blur. the blur full amazing compliment for ryan mcleod the canes are just water skiing off of them and he's falling down and they're all of rex or not rexall all of rogers place is booing and the refs are still they're just watching like you can see it's not like the, <laughs> the, he dropped the stick or nothing he just kept doing it it, it was it was insane 
and and the plays the the penalties that were called were so uh, like the the one with uh, Paul Stastny and then Nuge like those two sort of balanced each other out yeah. I think like there were some there were some really light calls especially for cross checking I I thought that there were some really weak cross checking and and overall I just thought like the refs were playing uh the rest were trying to balance out the game uh, instead yeah. of instead of actually calling the rule book they, they, it, it, they were weirdly trying to balance it out then they let something that was way more atrocious go but then you'd look up like okay edmonton has five or carolina had five or edmonton had five they're trying to make it even by the end of the game and i think it was even i think it was five and five so o- overall i mean you can't be unhappy i guess because the oilers won the game so uh, l- let's digress from that there were a ton of soft calls, and it, it was frustrating. And if they lost the game, you bet I would be riding those officials into the ground. But that's not the case. Keep I, getting distracted. I know. We, Jack I was Campbell. Say, Jack Campbell. The thing about Jack Campbell, every shot that Sveshnikov took, because of his release, they touched on it on the broadcast, you think at first he should have it. But I wasn't. Maybe the first one. Maybe the first one. I wasn't dissatisfied. I wasn't angry about any goal. Also, because the Oilers never trailed in this game. It wasn't like... It wasn't like they were falling behind. It wasn't another clip that they were falling off. They were always in the game. So when you watch Jack Campbell let those goals in, they're good plays. Like the Nate, the Natchez and Aho two on one or two on zero, whatever it was. When that they, one. Yeah, they're all nice goals. <laughs> yeah. And um, no, I, I thought Campbell played. The thing about Campbell, this is the point that I want to make, and I'll let you jump in right after this. Um, Campbell might not have you know a 955 save percentage but he's making the saves that he needs to make for the Oilers to win like I said the Oilers never fell in a hole and that's because Jack Campbell um never let in a bad goal at a bad time I think not necessarily about the bad goals or how good we think a goal is or he shouldn't have let in or whatever it's the timing of the goals the difference between this year's goaltending and goaltending in in years past at least from what we've seen so far is they're not letting those floaters from 40 feet out beat them at the <laughs> worst possible time. That's the difference. There's no backbreakers that just deflate the team and you immediately see momentum go the other way. The Oilers with this goal, Campbell is able to boost up the team enough that they're able to ride him to victory. And I think that's what happened tonight. I totally agree. But boy, there was that sequence where Jack Campbell looked a lot like Mike Smith when, when he was just flailing around across I, the net. I, and he, But he somehow miraculously kept it out. That was on the Bouchard giveaway. And it's funny because <laughs> even in the later stages, a couple of the goals, if you watch the highlights, Jack Campbell is kind of diving onto his stomach forward. Very similar to how Mike Smith would make those saves. But again, Oilers won. Campbell's the goalie for the next five years. We can't keep comparing him to Mike Smith. We got to move <laughs> on with life. We got it. Hey, he's still under contract. Never, mm-hmm. never doubt a comeback. Uh, I thought Campbell played really sharp uh, in the first period, especially calm on the on the penalty kill. I thought he was such a calming presence uh, compared to someone, you know, who from last season you could see verbally, you know, shouting at our defenseman. Uh, in the second, there was that sort of hiccup where I thought... Campbell was trying to find the puck sometimes. He was looking around, just not sure where the rebound went. But right after that, you know, I after that note, I immediately wrote, you know, he he really just stepped it back up. Uh, the latter half of the second period, the entirety of the third period really dialed in. And I think if it wasn't for the 
steadfast nature of Campbell where it really offers stability to the Oilers. I, I think this game probably would have been a loss. I mean, the Hurricanes are a very, very good team and they had very, very good chances. We've seen the story before where, you know, the Oilers are up, they get one goal gets scored on them and then immediately two follow. But the thing is about Campbell, like we saw, I think people are talking about in the chat and like we said, he he was clutch. He made the saves when he needed to be made and and that and, and that propelled the Oilers to victory. I think Campbell, despite what his save percentage was, I'm not 100% sure what it was to finish the game off, but um, I don't I don't think it was fantastic. The Canes scored four goals. Um you know, uh, he, he ended up, he was one of the big drivers in the Oilers to, to get the victory. Another player who I thought was very solid tonight, and he, and he didn't get a lot, much love on the broadcast. I thought Cody Cece and the Oilers top four as a whole were very solid. They they were able to hold that structure. They were holding on to pucks a little bit longer. They weren't making atrocious giveaways. They were, they were, they were constantly driving, helping the transition go up the ice. They were some of the biggest forces. And for some reason, when you, when you, I don't know how, always at the offensive blue line, most players, you know, knock it down with their stick. I find I always notice CeCe getting like hit in the stomach and him knocking the puck down to his stick and somehow getting it up the boards to Connor, you know, coming around from behind the net. And I, I think CeCe's so underratedly effective in that way. Like, I've been mm -hmm. so pleasantly surprised. I think he's been actually, like, I don't think he's necessarily had a bad game this entire year, even despite the scores of all the other games. I, I, I've been very surprised with Cody CeCe. I've been very happy. I think Nurse played a solid game. I, I don't have any complaints about Darnell Nurse. The only nitpicky thing I could really come up with this entire game, and I think this is partially because of the 11-7, and 7, and this, is more, this goes more into management when you talk about the cap situation and why they're running this, but you look at the bottom three defensemen on the Oilers pairings, Niemalainen, Murray, and Barry. I did think they all had moments where they struggled offensively. I think, frankly, when you're playing a team like Carolina, it comes down to skating. And those three are all not very fleet of foot. They all got caught numerous times. I don't think they ever got burned. But if you watch one of the special call goals, I think it was the second one. Or it was either the second or the third. Niemalainen tries to step up on Sveshnikov. Obviously, Sveshnikov is a very skilled player. Goes right around him. And Tyson Berry just defended the goal horribly. Gets And then it was an amazing shot. Beats Campbell. But I, I still think that we need to get back to that. But we need to find a third pairing somehow. I don't know how we're going to do it. That's steady. That can just remain neutral. It's not going to... It might not get you a lot of goals. But it's not going to give up goals. And I think that's so much more important to the Oilers. Because we see they can score. Scoring is never going to be the issue. Um, but I think there's there needs to be something. And that'll have to come somewhere, you know, along the line in some sort of trade. It's a lot of salary stuff. We don't need to get into that right now. We're here to talk about the game. But yeah, I think yeah. going forward, that's a change that has to be made. Well, well we know that Tyson Berry is going to be on the team until probably somewhere around the trade deadline. And I still don't see the Oilers trading him to a buyer because at that point, you're only trading with teams that have a legitimate shot at going deep in the playoffs and giving up a player like Tyson Berry, even though with the contract that he has, mm -hmm. is just a fool's errand at that point. Uh, I think Murray and Nimalainen, you're completely right. I don't necessarily like how they're playing. Um, there's something about Niemalainen that just isn't quite the same as last season. I don't know if it's the sort of sophomore season curse, but I'm really hoping to see Niemalainen step up. I, I'm a big fan of his play, and I just feel like he needs a little bit more time and space. Um, he had a little bit more time tonight uh, at eight minutes, 47 seconds. I think that he did okay. He wasn't necessarily 
too terrible, but you're right. Uh, there's something that has to be upgraded with this third pairing, and we can't keep running 11 and 7 the entire season. I think, in theory, if you were to describe the prototypical defenseman that the Oilers would want on their bottom pairing, it would be someone like Marcus Niemalainen, right? You want that big, heavy hitting, supposedly, you know, shut down defenseman. However, we haven't really seen that. Well, that's how he's been described and what, you know, we've seen glimpses of over the past two seasons. Um, it's not something that we've actually seen for a prolonged period of time in the NHL. So I think that it's something that we will have to figure out. And I see people in the chat yelling about Jacob Chikrin. <laughs> Guys, I want Jacob Chikrin on this team. It is not realistic. Everything you've heard, every article I've read, Jacob Chikrin will not be an Edmonton Oiler. I hope that video gets you know taken when Jacob Chikrin's taken to the Oilers and gets posted on Twitter a million times. But the fact is, Jacob Chikrin won't be an Edmonton Oiler. I don't think the management group's very high on him. And frankly, they have no money. Like, you have to send Tyson Berry somewhere. Then you have to, it becomes a three team trade in the middle of the season. It's not going to happen. You could have traded Berry at the draft. We all know that it ended up not happening. I think a big part of that, a big part of that is because Berry is so well liked in the room. Uh, that's why mm -hmm. they never moved him, even with Vogel. And I'm, uh, trust me, if, if we had to trade anyone, and I know I heard I heard recently on an Oilers show they were talking about you know sadly the one of the, the you know people that might be gone is um it, it might be Jesse Puliarvi I would not do that I would move Barry Fogle whoever before uh, I don't think Elliot Friedman said the Oilers were the front runners he might have just been speculating but no <laughs> I I I know for a fact they are not in on chicken I can tell you that right now. So. No tears tonight, Bashan. No tears tonight. <laughs> this is an Oilers win. We're going to celebrate it in kind. Uh, Zach and I have mentioned prior to the show, we're going to try and keep it positive. So let's do that. Uh, obviously, great game tonight. Nuge was huge. Uh, the, the defensive core, a little bit better than what we've seen in the past. Great, solid 60-minute game. And great performance by Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down overall to team structure and team defense. Again, the Oilers are never going to be a team that doesn't give up high danger chances one way or another. They're always going to happen. It's just a matter of Campbell stopping them. And you know what? He stopped the ones that he needed to tonight. If they, they need to take this, it's something they need to build on because the games will get tougher. The teams will get harder. St. Louis is not going to be an easy task. I think St. Louis is a personally, I think they're a better team than Carolina. And we all, we all Oilers fans know how the Oilers perform in matinee games usually. So, and it's for those who don't know, not very good. Um, <laughs> But it'll it'll be very interesting to see after this game how they come out on Friday, you know. So I'm looking forward to that game. Um, all, all in all, super happy with tonight. Super positive, you know, performances up and down the lineup. Um, it's something we want to build on. And uh, yeah, before we go, because we are running out of time in the Zoom, uh, there's a Drew in the chat says, what do you guys think of the reverse retros? Personally, I want one. Dennis, I'll let you start. Zach? And then I'll take it from here. All right. Well, I think that the reverse retro for the Oilers, even though it came from quite possibly one of my favorite Oilers jerseys, I'm not digging it. Oh, I'm not no, digging no. the color scheme. I I would much rather get one of the original third jerseys with the Seth MacFarlane uh, logo on it. But 
Zach, I know you're completely counter to this. Oh, Dennis, I can't believe you said that. For me, the McFarlane jersey, again, I was too young. I've never actually seen the Oilers personally in live play in the McFarlane jersey. So I've always wanted to see it. When I would play NHL when I was younger, that was always the jersey I would pick. So when I heard they were coming out with something like this, I was so excited. I personally, not the biggest Oilers fan, or uh, not the not the biggest oh, Oilers fan, not the biggest orange fan, orange, orange. Like I did not exactly. like the orange jersey. Uh, I'm opposed to the orange. Yeah, exactly. So when I saw the orange trim, was I ecstatic? Would I have liked silver trim better? Absolutely. But you know what I did two seconds after the Oilers dropped the link? I went on and I pre-ordered a reverse retro jersey. So one day on one of these broadcasts, when it eventually comes in, I will be wearing my reverse retro. Uh, You know, I love them. I I love them. Zach. Zach Wheel, everybody. Noted Oilers fan. Noted (laughs) Oilers Oilers fanboy to the level of uh, being an Oilers Plus subscriber. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're going to wrap up for tonight, <laughs> Zach. Yeah. Uh, with that, um, do you want to quickly do a one thing really quick? Um, one thing for tonight. Here, yeah, you give your one I'll thing start. first. I got to think. All right. I think uh, tonight I... I really want to start a donation drive for that beer chug guy because boy, with the prices at Roger's place and how many beers he had to chug, I think he needs a GoFundMe. Yeah. Zach? Yeah. Well, here, two things then. I was thinking about this and I think we should start some sort of donation drive, like for real. The beer guy, it was cool, whatever. We have one minute and 55 seconds left, so I'm going to make this quick. Uh, We never touched on it in the opening game of the season. Obviously, the Oilers tragically lost Ben before the season started. I think we, we mean you should do at the end of the season for every Oilers goal that's scored, we should donate one dollar to the Stollery Children's Hospital. And at the end of game 82, we'll make one donation for, you know, one dollar per goal. And yeah, hopefully the Oilers are the number one Bamba, high baby. Exactly. Hopefully they're the number one high scoring team in the NHL and they rinse us dry and the Stollery Children's Hospital gets a bunch of money from us. But yeah, um, no, it, it, that's something I, I wanted to say, and I've been meaning to say it on past broadcasts. I just, you know, first couple have kind of under, overwhelmed. But absolutely, um, we wanted to to give our condolences to the Stelter family. Unfortunately, it took us up until now <laughs> to be able to comment on our second win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here we are at the end of the second win of the season. Next game is against the Blues yeah. on Saturday. It's a matinee game at two p.m. Zach will be will be hosting that game. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach, this is going to be one of your solo hosts. Yeah, You're well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I have a guest, uh, someone I've followed on Twitter for a long time, coming on to join me. So it'll it, it'll be interesting. We'll see how that goes. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun after the game. I'm hoping the Oilers win that as well. Um, we got less than one minute to go, so <laughs> uh, I will see you guys next time. Uh, just remember to like, comment, subscribe, play La Bomba, baby. Me and Dennis are out, and we will be back very soon. Play La Bomba, baby.